This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to another episode of the Worth Recovery Podcast. I'm Amy. I'm your host here. I'm a sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. It's been a long time, but not as long as the month of March, right? In the year 2020, which is where we're at. I guess we're now in April, but I do feel like April has gone way faster than March went, especially like the last 10 days of March and now the first like 11 or 13 days of April. And uh, it's gone quite, oh, quite quicker, quite, quite faster than March went, at least for me personally. Um, I don't know where you're at and what's going on, but whatever is going on in your life and wherever you're at, I'm sending all sorts of love, hugs, karma, thoughts for safety, prayers for safety, um, prayers for just safety in all sorts of ways and for love and peace in your life, wherever that is. And whatever is going on. Because this is kind of a little unreal. Yeah, I don't think if I was living through it that I would believe that this... I mean, no, of course I would believe this happened. Because there's all sorts of documentation, right? But at the same time, you know, it's just unreal. It's just unreal. I started writing, you know, I'm a good writer. I write... When I say a good writer, meaning just I write regularly. I'm a regular journaler and writer. But I started writing a lot more as I started documenting some of my experiences, just unreal things that have been going on the last month or longer, depending upon where you live, uh, as we fight this worldwide pandemic of COVID-19. I have family members that are in the healthcare services, and so they're on the front lines on a daily basis. And that's been difficult for me just to kind of wrap my brain around. I have a sister who is also immunocompromised. And so that's been difficult to just kind of wrap my brain around that and make sure that she's staying safe. There's just so many different options and so many different things going on. But I think the thing that uh, really, there's two things I want to talk about today. Um, One is, so I am currently, I think I've said this before, I'm currently in school. I'm taking classes to become a licensed mental, a clinical mental health counselor, and I start my internship next month. What? I know. Unreal, right? Unreal. It's been a year since I started that, and uh, I start my internship next month in the month of May, and I'm super excited about that, and we're going to have some announcements about some groups and different things that I'm doing as a mental health counselor, but I was in class the other night. That's what I wanted to talk about. I was in class the other night, and... My professor, in a very, I know, well-meaning way, uh, shared the poem that's been going around. It's not really a poem, but just kind of the quote that's been going around by Kitty O'Mara. And if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you have on Facebook, it says this, quote, And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still. And listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows. 
and the people began to think differently, and the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed, the people joined together again. They grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. End quote. It's a beautiful thought. And I remember the first time I saw it during this pandemic on some social media platform. The first time I saw it, I remember thinking like, oh, that's that's a beautiful thought and just kind of flitted by it without really giving it much of a second thought. And then I started to see it appear more and more. And I started to see more and more people talk about how beautiful this time is uh, to have at home and to be different and to make different choices. And I started to really look at my own life and to be home. This doesn't really change my life a whole lot. I work mostly from home. I do most of my work from home. And so this hasn't really changed that aspect of my life a whole lot. Um, I'm privileged in that way. But then, then... As things got worse, I started to see more and more of my friends lose jobs. I started to see a lot of my friends who have no real experience trying to teach their kids were now trying to work from home. Both parents work from home and take care and educate their kids and couldn't go out. I saw a friend who... um, Her brother contracted COVID-19 and then his wife did as well. And their children went to stay with grandparents who then tracked, contracted COVID-19 and, and it's just kind of been this thing, but what else do you do? You can't put him with a babysitter, right? And then in my community here, I just started to see people lose job after job after job. And so the other night, my ther my, it wasn't my therapist, but my teacher, my professor in class shares this quote and it's like, what's everybody's thought about this quote? And she just, I know that she shared it from a place of trying to be supportive of people um, and trying to really put uh, something out there about self-care, right? That you can read and you can change. And this is an opportunity for you to really reset your life. And if you have that opportunity to really reset your life during this period of time, then you are privileged and that is awesome. And I would say more and more people that I've gotten to know, this is a very stressful and a very difficult time. Um, I read also, someone talked about if you have the privilege of staying home, if you're able to stay home and keep your job, that's a privilege. If you're able to wash your hands, that's a privilege. There are a lot of people that in the world that still don't have running water. If you're able to have soap or hand sanitizer, that's a privilege. There's a lot of people in the world that still don't have running water and still don't have sanitizer or soap. And I just thought it was really interesting. And so I just shared in that moment that uh, I my heart breaks. My heart breaks constantly for those women that are stuck at home with an abuser. Maybe, maybe not abusing them, but maybe abusing their children. Or the men stuck at home with an abuser, because I do know many women who abuse husbands and children as well. Um, My heart breaks for those that have both parents have lost jobs, and now they have kids at home as well, so they can't really go look for jobs. Uh, They can't have daycare because those are closed in our area, and so these parents are both stuck at home not being able to look for jobs and have to take care of their children and have both lost jobs as well. My heart breaks for those people who are just one or two paychecks away from losing a car or a house 
and not able to provide for themselves in that way. There's so much destruction that's going to happen because of this COVID-19 and not just because of deaths, but economic destruction, emotional destruction, family destruction, heart destruction, destruction of minds, all sorts of things are happening because of this. And my heart breaks for that. My heart breaks for that on a regular basis, daily basis, if not more often than daily. I shared that with my class and my professor could not sit with me in that. In fact, after I was done, she said, okay, someone other than Amy would like to share their opinion. And it just hurt, hurt my feelings that she couldn't sit with me. I had several class members who reached out to support and just say, I, I feel you. I feel you on that, you know, or people who have lost family members already or people who are out of jobs or, or different things like that. And, and so I was able to get the support I needed around that. But I just want you, I just share that for two reasons. One, I hope that you, that is, that your situation is better than that. I hope that wherever you're at, that you're safe, um, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I hope that you have the things that you need. Um, also, just for you to be aware of those around you and to really look at those people around you and see if there's something that you can do to help, whatever it is. My heart was warmed when I saw this um, Facebook post of a woman who said, hey, if you're at home or you're stuck with an abuser, whether I know you or not, just private message me and ask about, you know, the makeup that I sell, the Mary Kay makeup that I sell. Do they still sell that? Is that still a thing? It was a thing when I was little, but um, she just said, hey, you know, message me about that and I'll get your quote shipping address. And then she said, if you, you know, ask about a specific eyeliner, I will call the authorities and send them to your house. And I thought, okay, there's a great way, right? There's one way that we can support each other as women in situations like this. Uh, there's a lot going on out there in the world. Um, there was a lot going on out there in the world before we all had to stay home. And sometimes leaving the house was the only escape that people had that kept them sane. And now they don't have that. So I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm not trying to, um, you know, be depressed about anything. Because I do believe that there is a lot of change. I am experiencing a lot of change in this period of time where I get to stay home more often. And I say get to because it is a privilege for me. And I recognize that in my life. And I recognize that that's part of the privileged life that I have and the access to resources that I have that other people don't. And it's been a transformative period of time for me so far. And it's just been six or six weeks. And I'm still, we're still in lockdown here in my state for another three weeks. So it's going to be at least three weeks. That's what they're telling us. They just extended it. So it's going to it's going to be a period of time here. And I'm grateful that I have the things that I need. And I'm doing what I can to reach out to others. And I hope that you are too. So that's the first thing I want to talk about today. The second thing I want to talk about today is the loneliness of lockdown. Right? It's interesting because I was planning this podcast and I actually wrote most of this podcast last fall before we even had this COVID-19 thing. Um, I guess it was in January, actually, December-ish, December, I think. And, uh, and I wrote most of it back then and it just has been so, um, 
amazing how this transforms into what we're dealing with right now because there are a lot of lonely people in the world right now because of this lockdown and because because we need to social distance and we need to stay away from each other and we need to make sure that we don't spread diseases and we don't spread sickness. So I'm excited to share with you some thoughts today on loneliness. When I was younger, my parents were really, really strict about what we did on Sundays. Um, we were really religious, devout, and we were only allowed to watch certain media things on Sundays. We couldn't watch regular TV. It had to be like religious movies and things like that. Therefore, we owned quite a big stack of church movies that we enjoyed uh, nearly every Sunday, I would say. They were a regular part of my childhood. And to this day, when we get together as siblings, we can quote some of them, which is very entertaining, I think. Um, however, there was one exception to this rule. My dad convinced my mom that we should be able to watch anything where there was a clear battle between good and evil and the good one, right? The clear battle between good and evil, because that was, quote, in his mind, like religious and the good one. The only movies that fit that criteria for my dad were the Star Wars movies. And thus, after we finished our, quote, church movies, we indulged very regularly in a Star Wars movie. Now, then we only had the three episodes, four, five, and six. And I knew those episodes by heart. And my love of all things Star Wars started when I was quite young. Because of that, I can quote nearly every single Star Wars movie there is and know all too much about the series. Like many of you, I'm sure, last fall or last December when it came out, I recently watched the new movie, Episode 9, and the end of this saga of the Star Wars movies. I have to say that I totally loved it. I know there's all sorts of controversy around the storylines and blah, 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 but I just loved it. I loved every single minute of it. There was one theme about the movie that particularly impressed me and that I haven't been able to really stop thinking about it. I promise if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to give it away. There's no spoilers here, okay? But to set the stage, for those of you that might be unfamiliar with the plot because you didn't have the childhood that I did with my dad watching it every Sunday. By the way, we also named all of our animals, not all of them, but nearly all of our animals after Star Wars characters. That was kind of, I grew up on the Smith family farm with all Star Wars characters for our pet names. Anyway, to set the stage of you that for those of you that are unfamiliar with our plot, there is a desperate war going on in the movie. It's the continuation and ultimately the conclusion of the war between the final order, which is the dark side of the force or the bad guys, and the Jedis of the rebellion, which are the good guys. In one particular scene, in a desperate hour, one of the rebellion fighters is struck with fear. And one of his buddies says to him, the first order wins by making us think we're alone. Then he looks him straight in the face and says, we are not alone. A similar scene plays out a few times in the movie where different characters are faced with what appears to be an impossible task and each feels alone, like they must carry their burden by themselves, like help is not on its way and they are alone in the world. And... In each scene, someone shows up for them and reminds them that they are not alone in their struggle, not even close. I haven't been able to stop thinking about that movie. And then when Disney Plus released it early because of this whole COVID thing, it brought it back to me. 
Um, this is the battle that we fight every day as addicts. And addiction wins. Shame wins. Loneliness, heartbreak, anger, resent resentment. They win when we believe we are alone. When we believe we are alone. I have felt that way. I have had moments, days, sometimes weeks, months, or years when I feel lonely. There are many reasons any one of us might feel lonely. Maybe you long to be in a relationship and you're not. Maybe you've lost a spouse in your addiction or whatever was going on for you. Maybe you've lost children or you have never been able to have children and you wanted them. I know both men and women who have been betrayed and abandoned by spouses or children who have been abandoned by one or even both of their parents. Or more often, and is probably the case right now, you could be surrounded by people in the same room with you, yet feel unseen, unsupported, or unloved. The longings of your heart may have gone unanswered in your life thus far. All of these circumstances, as well as many, many others, may at times result in you feeling alone or lonely. They have for me, for sure. For sure. I'd like to share with you three things that have helped me to deal with the challenges and feel less lonely in my life. Really, it's a, it's a battle to fight the loneliness going on in our lives and to not feel alone in that battle and deal with our challenges. So the first thing that has really helped me in dealing with my loneliness of my life is to recognize that loneliness can be instructive. And that there's a difference between loneliness and being alone or solitude. I would say that many of us fear loneliness. I know I did for a while. We fear sometimes what it says to us, what comes to our mind when we're alone, or what we think maybe loneliness or aloneness feels, uh, says about us. See, when we're not alone, when we have other people around, we have distractions. We have conversations, we have things to watch, we have social media, we have people that will say and do things. When, when those things are gone, all we have is the ability to be present with ourselves. And there are many things that might come to mind when that happens. It might be, these are things that truly need our attention, wounds we might have, people that come to mind, healing that needs, that needs to happen. And in order for that to happen, we need to listen. And so there is a piece of loneliness that can be instructive for us. We are also afraid of what loneliness says about us. I know for me, that was a big piece. I didn't want to go places alone or be alone because I was afraid people would look at me weird. <laughs> and I remember when I started eating at restaurants by myself, I started doing it when I was traveling a lot for work and I would go out to eat alone at a restaurant at night, usually by myself. And the more that I started to do it, the more I actually enjoyed it. But the looks I got from people, wow, it was just really, uh, they were these pitying looks, these looks of like, so sad that you have to be alone here. And yet it was a choice I was making that they didn't know or understand. But we're afraid of what that loneliness says about us. Maybe it says in your ear, you're not loved, you're not accepted, you're not wanted. And so one of the things that has really helped me to fight the loneliness in my life is to turn loneliness into solitude, maybe, and to learn from the loneliness. 
When we spend time alone, our social guard goes down and we can learn what our inner voice is actually saying to us. And we can learn what those voices are wanting from us and what we need to hear in order to change, to heal, to move forward. The other instructive part of being alone is really to understand that in order to have a successful relationship, we must learn to be an independent, alone person. We can't be part of a partnership or part of a healthy relationship if we cannot learn to spend some time alone and learn to be alone. One of the first things that we need to remember is to let our loneliness be instructive. Now, when we feel like we've learned from our aloneness and our loneliness, the second thing that has really helped me in that battle is to understand that it's a choice. It's a choice for me to come out of isolation and connect with others. It's easier to sit in loneliness and isolation than it is to make a real connection. Real connection with other people takes work. It doesn't just happen automatically. It takes intentional effort. This applies to all of us, whether our relation, whatever our relationship status and whatever the cause of our loneliness. Connection with other people requires us to be real, authentic, and honest. It takes planning and compromise and accommodation. It can be a whole lot easier in my life, I know, to just make my dinner and sit and watch my favorite TV show without interruptions than it can be sometimes to connect with people. Even if we live in the same house or sharing the same space, it's often easier to be alone than it is to connect with someone. Sometimes we even talk ourselves into staying alone. Um, We might say things, well-meaning things like this. I need to be strong for other people. So I can't show my loneliness or or talk about things I might be struggling with. Or we might say, I should be able to handle this by myself. I shouldn't need someone. I shouldn't need to connect with someone. And so we force ourselves into isolation. We might say, I don't want to burden others with my problems. They have their own problems. Or I don't want other people to know I'm struggling. We worry about what people will think about us if they know we're not just blissfully, joyfully going through life. Especially during this unprecedented time of isolation in our world, it's hard to come out and to really connect with people in authentic ways. Connection with others, though, I have learned is a choice. And we must make that choice over and over and over again. It's not just a choice we make one time and we're done. It's one that we have to continually work on. In fact, all three of these things, turning our loneliness or our aloneness into instruction is something we have to continually work on. Um, We also have to continually be willing and make that choice to connect with other people and to come out of isolation over and over again. The third thing I wanted to share with you is that you have to be willing to create what you need. Unfortunately, making friendships as an adult is not as easy as sometimes we want it to be or sometimes we think it should be. Um, It's just not. It's not that easy. A lot of us get self-absorbed in what's going on with our own lives. We have families and children. We have other things going on. And so making real connections as an adult, making friendships and real connections as an adult is sometimes a difficult thing. 
We have to be willing to create what we need and not just sit around and wait for that. I remember a particularly lonely period of time in my life. It was a few months after my father had passed away and I was deeply struggling with some family concerns that had come up. Not only that, I was in the early throngs of recovery. I was just new in recovery, maybe eight months-ish. My world had just basically blown up. (laughs) I'd lost all of my coping mechanisms that weren't really doing anything for me. I mean, doing good things for me anyway, but they were helping me cope. And then my father passed away and my family blew up. And I needed some support in putting that all back together in a way that worked. I remember one night pleading um, with my higher power and my prayers for just one person. I just wanted one person who could understand and help me. I just needed one. That's what I remember. The answer came the next day when I was in therapy. I was talking to my therapist about it and just how alone I was feeling. And he said something like, well, why can't you make the call? Like, why does someone have to call you? Why couldn't you make the call? (laughs) And I was like, uh, well, I don't, I don't know. And he, and I remember him saying, sometimes Amy, part of being an adult is creating what you need. If what you need doesn't exist, then maybe you need to create that for yourself. I thought about that for a long time. Not that long. It was a couple days, (laughs) maybe three or four days. And I remember thinking, okay, what do I need? Like what, what is it that I need? At that time I was going to a, a 12 step support group for women. And it was, it was meeting some needs of, of my recovery, but I, I needed something different. I, I knew that I needed to connect with some other women, um, particularly around the family issues I was having that had kind of blown up. And so one day I decided there was a a woman that I had met at church. We had interacted briefly, but I decided to take a risk and call her. And we went out to dinner. This led to another phone call, um, a girl's night out, and then ultimately a five-year book club of amazing women that I still miss desperately from where I lived in Washington. Um, This book club still runs to this day. So eight years ago, pretty impressive. I learned many, many were just as lonely as I was, but not sure how to start connecting with others. I had to create what I needed. And you may have to do that as well. And you can. I remember when I moved to Utah, uh, there wasn't a support, a 12-step support group here for women. And I attended mixed meetings for a while, but knew that wasn't getting me what I needed because there is a piece of women's healing that involves healing with other women. And after a few years, I was able to create what I needed to get me through a new phase of recovery in my life. These three things, learning how to create, learning how to learn from my loneliness and then recognizing the choice that comes if I want to connect with other people and being willing to create what it is that I needed were the three important factors for learning to battle the loneliness in my life and learning to learning to connect with other people. Remember that sex addiction is an intimacy disorder. 
And so it's not just about sex, right? We've talked about that several times on our podcast. It's about really how we relate, how we connect, and how we relate to other people. So loneliness is something we're going to battle with, and it's something that is going to be innately part of our lives. This loneliness might look for you, might look differently for all of us. For some of us, loneliness means I shut myself up in my house and I look at look at the world through glass, but I don't participate in the world. For some of us, our loneliness drives us into compulsive relationships. And so we go relationship after relationship after relationship with no break in between because we're afraid of what being alone might say about us or how it might feel or the anxiety that comes up when we are alone by ourselves. For some of us, we're so afraid of the damage that we've done to other people that we stay, we choose to stay in our loneliness longer than we probably need to. So I today I encourage you to look around you, to really look at the relationships in your life. And if you're struggling with loneliness, as I suspect all of us are in some way, I know for me, like, uh, I live by myself and now that we can't really travel and we're kind of limited in what we're allowed to do, it means I don't see people <laughs> and it means I don't touch people. It means I don't interact with a lot of people. That's, that's difficult, especially family or other close friends that live close by. For you, it might be that you're stuck in a house full of people and you feel lonely or you don't have the time that you need to, uh, to be in solitude. Um, maybe it's, you're always needed because you're running a household. And so there's constant demands on your time. And yet you still feel lonely because you're not really connecting with other people. Whatever is going on for you today in your loneliness, I promise you that if you'll try these three things, try to learn from your loneliness um, and also understand the choices that you're making that result in loneliness. And also try to create something about what you need in order to connect with other people. If you'll try one of those three things that you can start seeing some changes in how you relate to other people. It's important in our recovery as sex addicts that we learn to relate differently. And these three things can help you do that. Also, a couple announcements to help you in less lessen your loneliness. One is I have opened more times on my calendar uh, just to do some calls. So normally those the uh, time on my calendar is open and you can schedule it through my website and it's reserved for people who are interested in coaching. But if you just want to get on because you just need to talk to someone, we can do it via Zoom or Skype or we can just do a phone call. If you just need to talk to someone, just get on and schedule time with me. I would love to chat with you for 30 minutes. That's what those blocks are for. And if that would help you to feel better about what's going on in your life, I would love to do that. So get on. It's worthrecovery.com. And if you just go to the coaching page, there's a calendar there and you can pick a time that would work for you where we can connect. I would love to chat with you for just a few minutes and just check in and see how you are. If you're interested in coaching, awesome. If you're not interested in coaching, awesome. Still get on. If you just want to connect for a few minutes, if that would be helpful to you, I want to make sure that you get the help that you need. The second announcement for today 
is that we're starting a new online group here with Worth Recovery. It's called the Worth Circle. It's on the website, worthrecovery.com uh, forward slash worth circle. I'm super excited about this. What this is, is it's a very private, unsearchable Facebook group. And every week there's going to be a to focused topic for recovery. And I'll do a quick little video. We'll talk about what this topic means and give you some ideas on how you can work on that topic or implement that in your life that week. And then as this grows, we'll have more and more women there that can support each other. Uh, the idea here is that you'll be able to grow your own support network there and meet people that are similar in what they're struggling with and be able to support and help each other. So it's called the Worth Circle. You can get to it on the website. Uh, it's worthrecovery.com forward slash worth circle. And if you want to join that, we would love to have you. Uh, there, all the information is on there. So it is a it is a paid group. It's thirty dollars a month for you to get on, and that's because we need to keep it private and we need to keep it moderated so that it's safe for everyone on there. And so we have a few moderators that are going to be helping us out. And your uh, the cost of that, the cost for that group helps to keep those uh, moderators there and keep everything safe and make sure that we're good to go. You get one month free though. So sign up and then if you want to cancel after your one month because it's not doing anything for you, that's awesome. But we would love to have you. So Worth Circle, again, you can try to find it on Facebook, but you won't because it's not. It's totally private. You can get on the website, worthrecovery.com and find it and look for it and, and join because it's awesome. And I'm super excited about it. I have all of our 52 topics for the next year already outlined and already ready. We're going to start with our first topic the first week of May. So we'll start May 4th with our very first topic. But you can join in, uh, until then. And there's some information there for you to get started and units and all sorts of stuff. So I would love to have you on there. I'm super excited about this. And uh, yeah, that's what we're doing today. So get on my website, you can call, uh, schedule a call with me. I'd love to chat with you and check in. Or you can join the Worth Circle. We'd love to have you there. But whatever you do, don't stay stuck in isolation, okay? Find somebody that you can start to connect with and start to relate to differently. My friends, whatever's going on in your life today, <laughs> because that could be a lot, Whatever's going on, no matter how you feel about this moment, no matter how far you feel like you've gone, no matter if you feel like you can't come back, I want you to know that you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. 100%. You don't, we don't want you to stay in isolation. We, need, we want you to come out and join us and get the support that you need to find the recovery and build the life that you want to live. If you don't believe that yet, just trust me. You will believe that. But trust, you can lean on me until then, okay? Um, I think about you. I pray. I do. I think about you every day. I talk to you guys every day. Seriously, I need to get through that. <laughs> but I think about you. I pray for you. And I love you. Until next time, Amy.
the legal stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.